Thanks again, praise team. By that, I'm talking to you as well, because we praise together today. Amen? Amen. Wow, that was awesome to, to sing some of those songs of praise together. And thanks for the special music as well. What a, what a great day. By the way, I, I want to say it myself, happy Mother's Day uh, today. But this is, this is a special day, you know, as we uh, celebrate moms. And, and, and today I want to honorate moms, and, and not just moms, but also women who play such an important role in, in our lives. But before I do, I think it's important as well to, to look at this in the greater theological context uh, of, of that type of honor. Because our culture is, is an interesting thing, is it not? Our culture is waking up to some, some ideas while following, falling asleep to other ideas at the same time. And, and we've seen some things in recent days of like the Me Too movement and, and how there's a waking up to some of the abuses towards women in general in, in, the, in, the, in our culture. Uh, but without a biblical and theological framework to understand and, and to look at our culture around us, it's very easy to swerve away from something and then fall into something else, right? And so I think it's important that we, uh, that we do that. Um, I think that moms are, are superheroes. I loved that video today. Did anyone else like that video as much as I did? Because that is just so true. And, and we look at moms and we, and we have to realize, wow, how on earth did they do that? And uh, um, I enjoyed watching, watching that the second time as much as I did the first time. And, and to see how moms can be super moms and... And wouldn't it be awesome? In fact, uh, this, this, within the last week or so, um, the, the largest or at least the most um, popular Marvel's, Marvel Avengers movie came out, the uh, Infinity War. I haven't seen it yet, so don't worry about me spoiling it for those who are interested in seeing it. Uh, but can you imagine if Marvel decided to do a Supermom movie? Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's so true. They're, they're, they're heroines in, uh, in, in our life. But I do think that our, our culture does look at the, the or they choose the wrong heroes and the wrong heroines and, uh, as well. And I think that the attributes that oftentimes are lifted up in our culture, are, which sometimes praise the things about women that is a different list than what the Bible actually praises women for. Does that make sense? Yep. Uh, I looked at uh, 2017 um, because 2018 is not over yet. And so I looked online and just to, to look what the top female leads of 2017 were in our, in our uh, movie culture. And, uh, and this is what they were in order. Number one was Wonder Woman, right? So she's a, this warrior princess and, uh, and she's Wonder Woman. Very different, by the way, than the Wonder Woman I grew up with. Just, just saying. All right. Um, um, did I hear an amen to that? So, all right, so, someone out there. Okay, so Wonder Woman. The, the number two uh, female lead was uh, from a movie called Ghost in the Shell, and there was a major Motoko Kusanagi. I don't know for sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but this person is a cybernetic counter-terrorist officer uh, designed to, to kill. Number three was Beauty, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Belle from Beauty and the Beast, uh, a Disney movie uh, that was a, a remake of the cartoon version. Number four was called Atomic Blonde, uh, where there's a Lorraine, I'm not sure how to pronounce last name, Bruffton or Broughton, something like that. She's an MI6 agent, uh, so basically the female James Bond, if that makes sense, uh, a specialist in hand-to-hand combat and weaponry. And then there, number five was a movie called The Beguiled. I don't know which 
female was supposed to be the lead in that because it's mostly females. And I read that the story, it's about a, a group of Confederate women during the days of the Civil War. They discover an, an injured Union officer and after nursing him to health, they vie for his affections. And uh, spoiler alert, they end up killing him. So, so Pastor Dave, you just spoiled that for me. You shouldn't be watching that movie anyway. Come on. You know it. You know it. But when I look at those, and I and I look, and, and each, I'm not saying any individual movie is right or wrong. And that's not the point of this. But but when you look at them as a whole, what you see is that there is, there's a wave of pushing certain ideas into our into our minds. Can we agree to that? There's a, a wave that you see that. In fact, when I looked at it, I, I you know I I thought I thought four out of five of them were honoring qualities that would definitely not be on the same list. As, if, as we look at scripture, what the scripture says should be honored. Um, in fact, if I had to guess what the number one quality of a woman was, based solely on, on, on looking at those, those five examples, I would say the number one quality for a woman in our culture is her ability to kill men. <laughs> That's it. I mean, if you can kill men, you have just worked your way to the top of society. I mean, the death toll of four of those five women, I think Belle is the only one who didn't kill anybody, right? And, and so, seriously, I mean, you put, put that together, men, by the way, we're in trouble. I mean, put the, the death toll is, is astronomical, right? And these are our heroines. These are the ones that, that culture lifts up. And, and maybe some of those men deserve to die. I, you'd have to watch the movies. I, you know, but, but today I'd like to hit two controversial truths. Two things that are countercultural, but we see them in Scripture, and I think it will help us to value each other in a much better way. Here's the, here's the first one. The first controversial truth is this, that genders, the genders are designed by God to be complementary. Now, this is controversial in a couple of senses. First of all, we are saying that they are designed by God. That definitely flies in the face of our culture right now that says it's something that each individual can choose at the time, right? But we're saying that God designed us. He, he designed, now, does God ever make mistakes? No. No, he doesn't. So God designed us, and oftentimes you see men mocking the qualities of women that I think the Bible actually lifts up. When instead of mocking them, we should, wait a minute, we are designed by God to be different, and those differences are intentional, and they were intended by a God who knows a lot more about what he's doing than I do. Amen? Amen. And, and so the, they're, they're designed to be complementary, but also the word complementary implies, so that it implies that there are differences, and it also implies that those differences are mutually beneficial. That's what the word complementary means. They're, we're different. And those differences are designed to be complementary. Uh, James Dobson, in his book called What Wives Wish Men Knew About Women. By the way, kudos to him to be bold enough to actually title a book that. Uh, what, what Wives uh, Wish Men Knew About Women. And I, I think it was probably written by his wife, I'm just saying. <laughs> but this is what he wrote. He said, an effort has been underway for the past few years to prove that men and women are identical except for the ability to bear children. Radical feminists have vigorously and foolishly asserted that the only distinction between the sexes is culturally and environmentally produced. 
Nothing could be further from the truth. Males and females differ biochemically, anatomically, and emotionally. In truth, they are unique in every cell of their bodies. For um, men carry a different chromosome pattern than women. There's also considerable evidence to indicate that the hypothalamic region located just above the pituitary gland in the midbrain is wired very differently for each of the sexes. Thus, the hypothalamus, known as the seat of emotions, provides women with a different psychological frame of reference than that of men. Do you believe that this was designed by God yeah. to be complementary? That, that women see things in a different way, from a different frame of reference than men do, and that that is a good thing? He goes on to say, the reproductive capacity of women results in greater needs for security and stability. In other words, because of their sense of responsibility for children, females are less likely to take risks and gamble with the future. Though it varies in individual situations, there is typically a healthy tension between a man and a woman that interests me. Notice he's a healthy tension. He likes excitement, change, challenge, uncertainty, and the potential for huge returns on a risky investment. She likes predictability, continuity, safety, roots, relationships, and a small return on a more secure investment. These contrasting inclinations work to a couple's best advantage. She tempers his impulsive, foolish tendencies, and he nudges her out of apathy and excessive caution. And these genetic tendencies have far-reaching implications, and medical science has not begun to identify all of the ramifications of the sexual uniqueness. We see the wisdom of the creator in the way the sexes interrelate at this point. Isn't that true? Now, this is not going to sell a lot of books. Well, I mean, he sells some books, but it's not going to sell a lot of books. Why? Because this is a controversial statement. The idea that God has designed us to be different. He has designed us in such a way that we are mutually beneficial to each other. And I'd love for you to read the book sometimes. He goes on to say, but do you see the point of what he's getting at? Genders are designed by God to be complementary. And that's, that's important because sometimes I think we, we see the differences and we just mock them. And, and you see it on time, the, 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 the gender wars between you know, the men and the women. And, and instead of mocking each other, I think that we should see the value in each other. Amen? Amen. When I look at the, the heroes and the heroines that, uh, that the world emulates, it seems to me that the world has a, a habit of undervaluing real womanhood. It doesn't seem to be an error as much in the area of men, but I think this is an area that, that they, they definitely fail when it comes to women. They undervalue true womanhood. They devalue women, or they value them for the wrong things. In fact, I think that sometimes they only value women when they imitate men. Just being honest, I think that's what our culture tends to do. But that's not how it should be. Where should we turn to understand who we are and, and who we are in Christ and who we are as a male and female, I think that that's got to come from the scriptures. What I, what I did um, is I decided to go through scriptures from Genesis to Revelation and look at every passage where, where God has something positive to say about men and where God has something positive to say about, about women. And I, I took out the, any of the reference where he's talking to both at the same time. Only when he's talking to a group of men without women or when he's talking to women with without men, and you start to see a pattern that emerges, and, and uh, when I uh, looked at the, at, at, at both of them, on the, on the left side of the screen, you'll see what was 
there for men. We read words like decisive, wise, uh, courageous. Uh, some, of the, some words were repeated. Uh, uh, or we found words like um, uh, com- uh, compassionate, brave, encouraging. Some of those things fit the worldly idea of manhood. Some of them do not. When, when I looked at the, the feminine side, I, I see, see words like they're praised for their nurturing, for nourishing, for their resourcefulness and their, and their wisdom. And, and, and taken as a whole, I would say, this does not describe the atomic blonde. Right? This, I don't see her when I look at this description I, and I look at these and, and there's a great passage in, in Proverbs. In fact, if you'll turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31, uh, we'll look at verses 10 through 31 and we, we find this poetic expression of the, the woman of noble character. And we find this, it's how, how, how God chose to end the book of Proverbs, end the book of wisdom, and he ends with this very crescendo-like poetic explanation of, of the woman of noble character. And he starts at verse 10 with a, a value statement, and then he's going to end it with a value statement, and then he's going to add on a little bit of an, of an instruction for us. But we see the first value statement in verse 10 when he says this, Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. What do you think? The things that are valued in this life are nothing compared to a virtuous wife. So he lifts up this person. There's, that's quite a statement, by the way, isn't it? There's nothing more valuable than this. In fact, who can find it? That's a rhetorical question saying it's difficult to find this kind of quality. Verse 11, we read, as we begin to see the description of her, the heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. What do we see about this woman of care? She's trustworthy. She's trustworthy. That's something that's worth emulating, is it not? Someone who you can tell them something and they're going to keep it. They, can, they, they make a promise and you know they're actually going to follow through with it. That's something that's worth, worth lifting up. But I think we lift up betrayal in many cases in, in our culture. Look at verse 12. You read this. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She's benevolent. She does what is good. She, she's seeking the, the well-being of other people. Verse 13. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She's a hard worker. She's a diligent, hard worker. Verse 14. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. This is a, a, a type of, of saying that in, in Hebrew, it's kind of like when we would talk about going the extra mile. Right? It's like she brings her food from afar. In other words, she goes out of her way to make sure things are done well. So she brings her food from afar, um, like the merchant ships. Verse 15, she also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her, hand, or for her maidservants. Well, you, see, you get the image of someone who's a hard worker. Anyone know some women like that? They might not be able to kill a lot of men, <laughs> but they are great at just working hard, diligent people. I'm married to someone like that. It's awesome. And, and we, we read in verse, uh, verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. Talk about resourcefulness and wisdom. And, and not just hard work, but when you put the hard work together with resourcefulness. And, 
and, and she, she finds something that's of value and, and puts her energies into that and, and, and creates a profit out of that. And verse 17, she girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms, so she's a strong person as well. Verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. Verse 19, she stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She's a capable, talented person bringing something of value into, into the world. Verse 20, she extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. Well, that's something that we need to lift up, is it not? Compassion, generosity, love for the people around her. Verse 21, she's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She's a home builder. She, she takes care. She nurtures. She nourishes her children. She makes sure that they're well-dressed, right? Let's be honest. Without our wives, guys, who knows what our kids would dress like in public? Isn't that true? I, it's never me that notices that. I, you know, it's, it's my wife that'll say, um, are we going to let him go to that or let her go to this activity dressed like that? Oh, what are they wearing? I don't know. But she makes sure that her children are dressed in scarlet. What, what's it saying? That making sure that they're appropriate. Making sure that they're warm. Making sure that they have enough clothes. And, 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 and just a nurturing sense. Things that would go right through my mind. Just being honest. But we're complimentary. God designed us that way. And, and uh, let's go on to verse, uh, verse 22. We read this. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen, fine linen and purple. There's this, this sense of, of, of aesthetic value, bringing beauty, even into the way that, that she dresses. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. And you see that she's, she's proud of her, her husband, lifts up her husband as well. Verse 24, um, we read this. She makes... Um, Linen garments and sells them, and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her, are, are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. We see joy in there. We see the continued expressions of her strength and her, her, her hard work, her diligence. Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. Well, what a balance there, huh? To see wisdom and kindness put together in the way that, that a woman can talk and just say the right thing and also say it in a kind way. Boy, we struggle with that as men, don't we? We can sometimes say the right thing and it doesn't come out very kind, or we can say a kind thing and there's not a lot of wisdom in it. We see this balance in this woman um, to, of, of wisdom and, and kindness. Verse 27, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Verse 28, we read this. Her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praises her. And so we, we see, I get the image of a woman who, who loves her family and it's so much that her family can't help but love her back. Now, when I think of the top five female leads in, 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 the, in the movies, you know, I don't see that. Am I the only one? I don't see a family person in any of those situations, and I, our culture is emulating all of these things, and they're missing out on the things that actually have value. You know, a good, a 
good woman is going to be seen by, her, by, by some around her and, and people around her that can lift her up for those things. And then we come to that, that second value statement, the, the one that kind of closes off this, uh, this portion of, uh, of Proverbs. Verse 29 says, Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Now, women can go and do a lot of things, and they can, they can be successful in a lot of things. But the woman described here excels them all. I, I think that the, the women that, that, need, that need to be lifted up may never make it to a, to a magazine being the, the most popular women or the women of the year or this or that. Uh, some people can work their way up to the, some pretty high positions and can look really good on the outside and then you find out that, that in their home things are a mess. And, and I'll tell you what, what the Bible is saying is we're looking at the wrong things. We need to look at the character of the, wo- of the woman. And then I like the way he ends. He kind of ends with a little, little instruction for us, uh, uh, for us, especially for us as men uh, here. We, we read this. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Now think about that for a moment. Charm is deceitful. What is charm? Charm is that personality attraction, right? If a person is charming, then you're attracted to their personality. They know the right things to say. They know the right way to look and so on. Charm is deceitful. In other words, when, when, uh, when, there, when two people go, go on, a, on a romantic date, what is the guy doing bef- you know, the hour before? He's preparing, right? And what is the girl doing for six hours before? She's preparing. I don't know. Six hours. I don't know. I see something at six. Is it, maybe it's eight. Okay. I don't know. They're preparing. Now the guys uh, prepare physically by just throwing their nice clothes on. But they prepare their lines. Just tell them. They, they want to make sure they have topics that they're ready to talk about. They want to, they want to come across as intelligent. Right? They want, they want to have a few good jokes to try... And, and what does the woman do? You know, she's trying to look, look her best. And, and, and charm is deceptive. You only get to see the person in the best of contexts, which is why I recommend dating for a long time before you get married. Right. Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. Beauty is passing. It's short term. My mom, I, I love her. She, uh, she used to say, when I was a little girl, we used to always cry because we didn't look like Elizabeth Taylor. So now that I'm older, we all cry because we do. Beauty fades with time. But a woman who fears the Lord, character, your spiritual connection to God, that does not fade with time. And you can become more and more beautiful over time when you learn to value the right things. Amen? It says, charm is deceitful. Beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And then he gives the instruction in verse 31. Uh, Let me go back. Verse 31, give her the fruit of her hands and let her own the praise, or let her own praise her, excuse me, let her own works praise her in the gates. What is he saying? He's saying, men, give honor where honor is due. This is where honor is due. And oftentimes these are the things that get overlooked. They're definitely overlooked in our culture, but they should not be overlooked by us. Amen. And I think of the, the women heroines of the day. You know, what are they being praised for? Are those masculine or feminine properties that they're being praised for? And I think that, that today women are praised for, 
more for their masculine properties than they are for their feminine ones. In fact, the word feminist itself oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes means person who believes you should masculinize women. I don't think that's what the Bible is getting at. I don't think that's it. In fact, there's an underlying lie to that. And the underlying lie is, is that uh, the feminine qualities are not really as valuable as masculine ones. Isn't that, don't you think that that's the lie that's being purported out there? The world comes along and, and says to the women, uh, says something along the lines, women, if you want to have value, you've got to be more like men. And it's just not true biblically. And I think that men have, have, have done a disservice uh, too many times, and society has done a disservice by not valuing women for the right things. In fact, as a society, I think we tend to vacillate between one of two errors. Uh, one would be the old backwards understanding on one end uh, of what we call it the barefoot and pregnant, right? A woman's place is to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. How many have heard that before? Is that what we read in Proverbs 31? That's not what we read in Proverbs 3. That's not it. I mean, that's not what, what we're, we're called to be. I mean, I mean, now there's nothing wrong with being barefoot. Right? Just because I'm sure my mom will listen to this and she loves to be barefoot. So she's from Kentucky and she'll be hearing this. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being pregnant. In fact, that's a beautiful thing. We have some, some ladies in here that are pregnant. And, and I, just, just as a guy, I get excited about the fact that we'll be bringing new little babies into the church. Anyone else with me? I think that's cool. But when, when we've limited women as if there's some subspecies that they're incapable of doing, that's, we've, done, we've done a disservice to women. And culture has done that. Much of culture. And then there's the pendulum swing on the other side that says, a woman, if, you have to be, if you want to be a woman, then you need to be a man killer. You need to be out there. You need to be rough and tough. And I think what the Bible says, neither of these extremes are correct. Right? Neither of these extremes are correct, which... Uh, which brings us to, to the answer, really. What it says in verse, what it said in verse 31, give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her. The second controversial truth, and we'll finish with this one, the second controversial truth is this, that the genders are designed to be complementary. How many of you think I just repeated myself? I didn't. There's one letter difference, right? The, the, that one letter makes a big difference. The first one, the word complementary with an E, the word complementary there, what that means, it comes from the word complete. So it means to, to, be, to be forming a completed entity or completing something. So when I say that the genders are, de are designed to be complementary, what I mean is we complete each other, right? That it is not good for a man to be alone, Genesis reads, right? We complete each other. When I say complementary with an I, that word itself means to convey a compliment or attributing value. And I think because we are complementary, what God has designed us to be is complementary in the sense that we should be recognized the value of the opposite gender. Does that make sense? And we should be valuing that and, and recognizing the value and recognize because because God has allowed someone else to fill the voids that I have and that we can work together in a, in a team. That is something to be special. So, so in the application, and men especially, we need to be complementary. And I'd say this to the children too. I, this is something that you need to be complementary of your parents. Thank your parents for what they do. Don't let it go by without noticing it. We need to be complementary in the sense that we express value towards the women in our lives instead of mocking the difference is we need to acknowledge that we need them and appreciate them. So, does that make sense? 
Wouldn't, it be a, wouldn't the world be a better place if we did that for each other? With, with this in mind, with a more biblical understanding of what womanhood is really supposed to be, I would like to propose a better heroin list. Is that okay? This is my list, so don't take this as gospel. But this is, this is uh, my, my better heroin list. I wish these were the, thing, the ones that we would lift up in our culture. I'm going to take two from Scripture. The first one would be Lois and Eunice. And if you're, sure, you're not sure who they are, that's okay. I'll, I'll explain it. Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was writing to Timothy, who was a mentor, and he was, he was writing to him in his pastoral ministry. And this is what he said uh, to them. He said in uh, 2 Timothy 1.5, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and then in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. What was he saying? Saying, Timothy, the reason you are the man you are, the reason that you have the faith that you have is because of your mother and your grandmother. A true hero is someone who takes their faith and they pass it on to that next generation. That is something worthy to be praised. Amen? What a beautiful thing. I'm going to take another one that is, is, and I'm trying to take some that are maybe not so popular here. Um, uh, the second one, I'm going to say Rufus's mother. You say, I don't even know who Rufus is. <laughs> Rufus's mother. Uh, Rufus was uh, a co-worker with, with Paul, and, uh, and, and Paul would travel at, at times with Rufus, and Rufus was a great man of the faith, and, and when he was writing back to, uh, to the, the Christians in Rome, in the book of Romans, he wrote about this, and he wrote this. He said, uh, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. I love this one because here we have a situation where, where Paul would interact with Rufus, and I'm sure that means he'd go to his house and there, he'd see Rufus's mom, and, and Rufus's mom would recognize this need. We don't even know her name yet. I'll look forward to meeting her someday, but she sees a need because here's Paul who's doing all this work, and he doesn't have a mother figure in his life, and she says, I'm going to become that mother figure for him. And he treats her. How many of you had a mom that had other people outside of your family call her mom? That was definitely the case with, 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 with my mom. I, I mean, we had so many people who just call her mom. Like, no, she's not your mom. She's my mom. No, she was their mom, too. I mean, what a beautiful picture of, of, of a Proverbs 31 woman. I'm going to go out of the New Testament. I'm going to go into modern-day uh, situation here, and I'm, I'm going to use, uh, use one more. I'm going to use Joanna Gaines. How many of you even know who I'm talking about? Joanna Gaines? All right, yeah, from the show called Fixer Upper. It's, it's a show where they take, uh, take old houses, they fix them up. And, and uh, I asked my wife, I said, who would you say is a, an example of a Proverbs 31 woman in our culture today? And she said Joanna Gaines, as opposed uh, to Martha Stewart. She gave me a, a positive and a negative. So both of them know, have the capability to create an externally beautiful situation. She said, but when you look at Joanna Gaines, you see something that goes much beyond that. You see a person who loves her husband, lifts up her husband, even though he can be kind of goofy sometimes, which is a good character because I'm a goofy husband, and I like, to, I like to make, or I don't like to make mistakes, but I like to have a wife who lifts me up even when I do. She loves her kids. She's diligent. She works hard. She's got a, you know, a... I don't, know, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I don't know if it's a multi-million dollar industry, but she's got her own business that's, that they run and they restore houses, and yet somehow she includes her kids 
We see uh, both Chip and Joanna spending time with their kids, and their kids seem to love them, and they love each other. Isn't that, isn't that a fresh thing, you know, just a breath of fresh air when you see something like that on TV, when so much of what we see in culture is the opposite of that? And, and, and so to me, I think that is the type of thing that, that we should lift up. And when they say the w- women of the earth, we should be looking at people like them. And it's to my knowledge, she has not killed a single male. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. And then lastly, I'm going to, last one, I'm going to try to cover it all here. I'm going to say all Proverbs 31 women. You know, in our culture, um, with, with all of these atomic blondes and the, uh, all of these things being thrown at us, um, it is really nice, if I could say this, to come to church and be surrounded by a lot of Proverbs 31 women right here in this room. And I see the things that you're doing. I, I see your Facebook posts and the fun things you're doing with your kids. I see the lessons that you're, you're teaching your kids. I, I see the way you interact. I see the way you build up your husbands here. And it is a breath of fresh air to come here and to be surrounded by so many Proverbs 31 women. What a beautiful thing it is to see the contrast between what the church is, is, is showing because of Jesus Christ. We can't take credit for all that compared to what the world is shoving down our throats. You know, today I would like to, to honor all of you and especially honor two women in my life that have shown these Proverbs 31 qualities. First, my mom, who, I, who raised us in, as a Proverbs 31 woman, and then my wife, who is doing the same thing with our children right now. With, with, with my mom, she, was, uh, she, she became a nurse just because she wanted to help, help us pay for college because Bible college is not cheap. And, 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 but she, she was at our games and she cheered us on and she, she taught us stories and she prayed with us and she cried when we needed someone to cry with. She, she celebrated and, and she became moms to all of our friends and she made so, more meals than I can imagine, than I can remember for my friends as they came up. Just a, a great Proverbs 31 woman. And then I've been fortunate enough to, to marry a Proverbs 31 woman too. And, and, and I, my wife is, is doing so much to raise up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And there are things that, that I can't see and that she catches them. And, and we work together as a team on that. And, and so to her today, and I don't want to embarrass her, but I just want to say thank you for being humble and wise and patient when I'm not. I struggle with that sometimes. And for being so nurturing to our children and making sure that they have everything that they need and that they're dressed appropriately when they go out. (laughs) And I want to thank you too for all the things that you do that go unobserved. The things that you do when you're at home and no one else is there and we, we don't see it and we sometimes take it for granted when we come home and things are done that we didn't even notice. I want to thank you for standing up for me when times are difficult in ministry. Believe it or not, times can be difficult in ministry too. And she's always been by my side and lifting me up. I want to thank you for your generosity and your kindness, your compassion, your wisdom, and your godliness. The Bible says these things are worthy of praise. And they are. Men, I know it can be a little bit awkward 
to express some of those things to your wives. But the scripture says, charm is deceitful, beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. If you don't do it, God's going to make sure it happens. But it's your job. It's your job to do it. Men, we honor God when we honor godly women. So take time today. We even have the evening off. Take time today to look for the, the godly women who have had an influence in your lives and express that, that gratitude. Be complimentary to them. Women, for you, I would say, don't strive for the attributes that the world honors. Strive for the attributes that God honors because he will make sure that you receive the honor that, 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 that is due, whether it's now or in, in heaven. Don't strive for the attributes that the world honors. You don't have to imitate a man, but you can be something better when you just strive to be the woman that God has called you to be. And then children, I want to speak to you too. Children, it's your job too to honor your moms. Honor the, the women, the grandmothers, on their motorcycles especially. <laughs> honor the women in your life. Because it's their faith that is getting passed down onto you. Like from, it was from Lois to Eunice to Timothy. And when you do this, God is honored. When we as a church do this, God is honored. And I'll tell you right now, our culture needs to see the church do something different than they're doing. So true. Our culture needs to see a church that lifts up women in a godly way. Let's do that today. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that your word is applicable for us today. Lord, as we look at the Proverbs 31 description of a woman of noble character, we recognize, we recognize that there is a need in our culture to lift up true femininity, true womanhood as something valuable something designed by you in your infinite wisdom. And I pray that we as a church would do that. I pray this in Christ's name.